All right. Welcome to Real Estate Hustlers Podcast. I'm your host and founder of Appleman Properties. Uh, today we're talking with uh, we're talking about Costa Rica with uh, Shallow. Uh, Shallow is a seasoned international real estate investor and a coach, manages an extensive portfolio of properties, primarily focusing uh, now on short-term rentals. Um, he has, also has an investor retreat in Costa Rica. Uh, so Shiloh, can you please tell the listeners a little bit more about yourself? We're excited for today's call. Sure, absolutely. And I appreciate you having me on your podcast. Um, so my name is Shiloh Lundahl, and I'm based out of Gilbert, Arizona. And I've been investing in real estate since 2010. But at that point, uh, you know, I just bought one rental and I didn't do anything else for the next four or five years. And then I bought the building that I have my therapy practice out of. I'm actually a child and family therapist and I practice in Mesa, Arizona. And um, then after buying that building, I went back to the buddy who helped me buy that initial you know, investment property in 2010. And I asked him if he had any deals that he was doing because I wanted to you know, start investing. I, my wife and I had just had a, a baby at the time and we were watching a lot of those flip or flop uh, TV shows. And so we thought, you know, hey, this would be really cool if we could, you know, flip a house or something. And so I connected with him. Uh, we flipped the house together and, and it was awesome. You know, he did it with, with no money because he used my money and I was new. And so I brought in my money and, and I gained about $8,000 on the deal. And I was really happy with it. And he gained like 40,000 on the deal. That's because he knew how to do it. And he orchestrated it and did the whole thing, but it helped me kind of get into the game. And then we flipped a couple more houses that year and and one we um, earned a little bit, one we lost a little bit. And so overall, I only made about $17,000 my first year flipping properties. Um, and so it's not a lot, but what it was, it was a lot to me in that it helped shift my mindset and I could understand how to, how to start making money through real estate. And then the next year we flipped uh, six houses and we bought a couple of buy and hold houses. And then in 2017, we saw that the margins were getting smaller and smaller with flips here in Arizona. So we switched our model and we started doing what's called the lease with the option to buy program. And we would buy properties and then we would lease them to tenant buyers, people that wanted to come in and own a home. But for one reason or another, they weren't able to buy a home at that moment. And so uh, we would bring them in as tenants and they would give us an option fee and then they would stay there in order to you know, build their credit up so that they could go ahead and buy the home. And we've helped dozens of people get into homes over the last several years. And it's been a great program. It's been a great program. And so after doing that for a while, that was fun. And then we bought some mobile home parks. So right now we have six small mobile home parks with about 100 units in those parks. And then my buddy and I, uh, or my business partner, and I just kept building our portfolio and we built it up to about 250 units. And just recently, we kind of split the company where he took our North Carolina properties and I stayed with our Arizona properties. And then we still have shared our, our mobile home parks. And so that's kind of where I'm at right now. But about a year or two years ago, um, you know, according to the, the vision board that I made back in 2017, and on that board, I had you know, pictures of a cabin. I had a picture of a house in Costa Rica. And so, you know, I would just kind of have those on my mind. And I, I saw these deals come up in the mountains here in Arizona. And so we ended up buying two cabins that we run as short-term rentals. And then I found a, a property in Costa Rica that was just absolutely amazing, very much like what I had on my vision board, where you have, uh, there was a main house, and then you had um, a guest house, and then there was a shop, 
And I thought, you know what, we could totally convert the shop into a grounds, uh, a groundskeeper's quarters. And, and then we, we, so we bought the property and it was a great kind of a cool story about how to buy it, how we bought the property, but we got the property, we converted the shop, we built a tiny house on there and it's on two and a half acres in the mountains of Costa Rica. And it's absolutely beautiful. So I, I did that deal with um, eight other partners. We all kind of came together in, in kind of a joint venture um, uh, business and, and we bought that property. And then we can all use that property for basically one to two weeks a year. And then we rent it out during the other weeks when we're not using it. And it, it covers the cost of the property and it uh, is creating a return for us. So the first year, it didn't create a, a whole lot of a return because it was just kind of up and running. But this last quarter, uh, we did great. We brought in about $37,000 in just this last quarter um, of revenue. And so we're projected to bring in about 150000 in revenue. And so we're pretty happy about it. Yeah, I think that's when it starts getting exciting when the you start seeing a return on the uh, on the property. So you said some key things there that were great. One was the vision board. And I think that's that's like the foundational um part of of it looking into the future what do you want what do you want in the future and putting that on your vision board you did you did just that and now it's coming to fruition and then uh learning how to invest in real estate by having an expert come in who already has been there and done it and you essentially got paid to learn because you still made seventeen thousand dollars he made majority of it but you've that was your education you got paid to versus going out to college and paying to be educated you got paid to be educated uh, so it, it works out great. I, I love the, I, I love the Costa Rica, uh, investing. I've heard a lot about it. Um, if you could, let's, let's dive into it and, and go over some advantages, um, and maybe some things that, that no one really truly, um, uh, would know unless they've been there and done it like yourself. Sure. Absolutely. So what, uh, are, are there, when you own a property there, is there, are there tax advantages? What is there tax shelters? What are we, what would we look like on that front? So I don't think there's necessarily tax advantages um, of owning property there in Costa Rica. You still pay taxes. And I have a, an accountant here in, in Arizona that, um, uh, you know, he's, he's skilled in a lot of things. And one thing that he does is he understands how to um, do the taxes if you own a property outside of the states and how that um, affects your taxes. And so it's it's not too far off of, um, you know, tax-wise, the same as owning a property here in the states. Got it. Okay. So as far as like sheltering um, or even like starting a business in Costa Rica and having it operate out of out of your retreat, is, that, uh, is there any advantage to that? I know Puerto Rico, there are some. I don't know if there's... Yeah. Well, Puerto Rico is a, um, a territory of, of okay. the U.S., right? And so they're going to have more, um, it, and there's a lot more details that go into that. Um, but Costa Rica is a complete, you know, different country, and they have their own taxes and and, and things of that nature. And and currently, um, it, the way it's set up is, you know, we have a an Airbnb down there, but we're running it from as a, a U.S. based business. Right. And so we pay U.S. taxes on it. Now, um, I think in a few years, they may shift some of the laws there where they're going to be taxing the Airbnb owners so that the revenue stays in Costa Rica. But really, 
you know, we, we have a, a place where people can go and, and stay in Costa Rica and they come down there and they spend a lot of money when they're down there. Yeah. And so it really is beneficial to the country to have these people come and, and vacation there and, and, you know, spend a lot of money and, and going places and, and things like that. And so um, it is beneficial to them and it's been beneficial to us. Um, so that's, that's kind of how it goes tax wise. And, you know, I wish I, I knew a little bit more about all the tax implications, but that's why it's important to have somebody on your team that works with you that understands all of that. So to make sure that you're doing it the right way. Yeah, without a doubt, for sure. So the um, Costa Rica as a, as a country, is it, is it developing? Is it, uh, are you seeing the, the commerce, the economy? What are the fundamentals there? Yeah. So um, I actually used to live in Costa Rica about 20 years ago. And I was there as a missionary. I stayed there for a couple of years and then I and this is my early 20s. And it was so interesting to you know go back, you know, after leaving for so long to be able to go back with my daughter a couple of years ago and just see the differences. So I think that Costa Rica really exploded in popularity when the internet came about because you know there's all these little places around the world that you just really didn't know about unless you like researched them. And then you'd go and get a book on it and you'd look at pictures. But when the internet came about and you were able to see all of these beautiful pictures of Costa Rica, all of a sudden people started going there and, and they, the airport went from this little, you know, airstrip outside. You'd walk out of the airplane and, and go out. It went from that to this big, massive airport. And now they have two large airports there. And so it's really grown since, uh, you know, the early 2000s. And um, I would say, and the road, the road infrastructure is so much better than how it used to be. You know, there were so many dirt roads or rock roads, and it was just, you know, a pain to get around places. But now they have really nice roads throughout the, the majority of the country, not everywhere, but, uh, but they have a lot of really nice roads. And I would say, you know, they used to be a, a farming community where they had you know, bananas and coffee and sugar cane. And those were the big staples. And um, I mean, they still have those, but they've, they've grown in, in education, technology, and just a, a lot of commerce. And, you know, it's a, in my opinion, you know, I haven't gone to all of the Central American countries to, to explore them and compare them, but um, it's, it's a great place to live and it's a great place to visit and, you know, people are, are doing much better there than they are in other countries. Nice. So how do you, how are you managing these properties? Um, like currently they're, they're out there. How, how are we making sure that they're, they're intact and things are being done? So as I mentioned 20 years ago, I used to live there and I made some really good connections with people. And so I have a lot of friends in Costa Rica. And when I was getting ready to buy this property, I talked with some of my friends and it's uh, an older couple um, that used to, you know, give us food as we would come by their house and everything like that. And I said, Hey, if, if we bought this property, would you, um, and again, they're an older couple they are in their early sixties. I said, would you be willing to come and live on site and take care of the property and help with the cleaning and things like that? And they said, yeah, they, they'd love to do that because the pandemic was really difficult for, for Costa Rica. It really shut down like 90% of the country, like completely shut down. And so um, they were in a place where they could really use the work. And, and so this worked out fantastic. They moved into this place and, and it's on two and a half acres. And so they have this beautiful place where they live 
They have their own home on there. It has two bedrooms, a bathroom, a kitchen. It's just a really cool little house. And um, they take care of all the guests. They'll go to the airport and pick up the guests and bring them to the to the property. They, um, if the guests want, they can cook for the guests. And that's a little bit of an added charge, but they'll cook for the guests, different meals, and they do all the cleaning and, and everything. And so it's just great to have people that can take care of the property. So I don't have to worry about it. They, they text me letting me know, hey, this happened. We need to do this and that. And so they take care of the property and I just kind of make some decisions. Nice. And it's a win. It sounds like a win-win if um, there's a balance there. There's a trade-off for sure. Um, so, so your initial decision to get into Costa Rica, you, you, you're living there, you know, it's a great place to be and, and you wanted to bring in other friends and possibly other investors into, to have a place in Costa Rica as well. Are you looking to, to buy more deals? What's, what's your goals for Costa Rica or just real estate investing in general? Right. So my goal in, in Costa Rica, you know, I mentioned I lived there and then I came back to the States and you know, got my degree as a therapist and, you know, built a family and, you know, five kids and a wife. And then my oldest daughter, when she was 12, her and I go back and we visit Costa Rica and it just was so beautiful. The place that we stayed, we stayed at this Airbnb on a mountainside. And I thought to myself, this is what I want. This is absolutely what, a, what I want. And so I put it on my vision board. And then I went back there with uh, my older kids one at a time. And each time I went back there, I, I tried to find out a little bit more about real estate investing and talking with people and things like that. And then I found this property, the, the one that I mentioned on the mountaintop on some kind of obscure real estate website. And they were selling it for 1.25 million. And then they just dropped it to 750,000. Nice. And I thought that's a huge drop. I need to call them and find out what's going on. I called the seller's realtor and I said, hey, I'm interested in this house. Tell me about it. Why did you guys just drop it 500,000? And he said, well, we listed it at the beginning of the pandemic. We haven't had anybody come see it because of the pandemic. And the owner is older and his health is kind of declining and it's just too much for him to handle. And so... He wants to be able to move out. So I said, well, you know, I'd be willing to buy it if we could work out some sort of seller financing deal. And so he went to the owner and asked. And it, initially he said, yes, we were going to come in with like 400000 We're going to pay off, off the rest over a few year period of time. But then he changed his mind and said no. So I was kind of bummed because I thought, you know, maybe I could bring in a couple of investors and we can do this deal. And then when he said no, I was bummed about it. And I was at a mastermind group. Uh, with a buddy that I had met there and uh, he's actually from Utah and his name is John Maxim. He does a bunch of like treasure hunts and things like that where he'll bury treasure and people go and find it. And it's kind of gotten big in Utah. He does it every year. And we're at the same table together and I've shown this picture of this property. And I said, man, I really want to buy this property, but they won't do seller financing anymore. And he looked at it and he looked at me and said, dude, I'm in, let's do it. Let's do it together. And that gave me the confidence and knowing that, Hey, if he's going to be part of this deal, we're going to be able to do it because he does big things. He lives like a um, hundred properties, like 60 to hundred properties a year in Utah and wow. just does a bunch of things. And I thought, and if he's on board, we can absolutely do it. So then I started to reach out to my um, contacts. He reached out to his contacts and we brought in, um, you know, a total of nine investors on this deal. And so that kind of gave me motivation to think I can do big things. And after we did that, 
other people started reaching out to him later on and saying, Hey, I want to, I was really bummed that I didn't get in on that Costa Rica deal. Let me know the next time you do another deal in Costa Rica. And so he talked with me and he said, Hey, I have all these people that want to do this next deal. Uh, let's find a place on the beach. So we actually did find a property on the beach and we bought that last September and we, you know, fixed that up and added, you know, another caretaker's apartment there. And so we have caretakers there as well, taking care of the property. And this is more of a boutique hotel style where you can rent out the entire place and it's six bedrooms, it sleeps up to 24, or if it's not rented out fully, then we can, you know, divide it into the individual rooms and rent it out by the room. There's like a, a kitchen area and then they have kind of all the rooms around it. And it works out really, really well either to rent out the entire place or as a rental by the room. So we did that and it was great. And then I was thinking, okay, we have a house on the beach. We have a house in the mountains. The only house left to get would be one right near the volcano, Arenal. And I don't know if you've been to Costa Rica, but Arenal is a very, um, uh, it's kind of an icon of Costa Rica. It's this cone-shaped volcano. When people go to Costa Rica, they always go to La Fortuna and they see Arenal. And it's just one of the most touristy areas of Costa Rica. And so... I wanted to buy a property there so that I could have three different properties in strategic locations so that we could offer some awesome either retreats or vacations for people. So they can come in, we'll pick them up from the airport, we bring them to the mountain house for a few days, then we'll take them to La Fortuna for a few days and they can go and experience the rainforest and the volcano and all of that. And then we end on the beach. And that gives people like an overall view of what Costa Rica is like. And so that's what I like. I love Costa Rica and I love to share it with people. And now that I have these three properties, I actually am organizing uh, investor retreats out of, out of my properties in Costa Rica. So people that want to learn how to invest, not necessarily how to invest in Costa Rica, but they just want to learn how to invest in general. I bring them there and they're with us for about six days. We spend time in each of the properties and it's more of kind of a workshop. It's a retreat, but it's also a workshop where they bring their laptop in and I will show them, this is how you build a team. This is how you find properties. This is how you make offers. And I just show them the basics of how to start building a portfolio. And, you know, people will come with different um, like levels of, of investing experience, but because we've been able to scale a portfolio of up to 250 units, I can really show them at each level of where they're at what they can do. And so um, that, that's, that's what I'm really excited about with Costa Rica. And that's really what I'm looking to do is just add this last third property. And we already have some investors, but we are looking for a couple of other partners that want to come in on the deal. But with this, this is going to be my, my third and last property to buy in Costa Rica. So that's what I'm looking to do there with regard to my portfolio in the States just stabilize everything and get the cash flow going well. And then we have kind of a program where we'll buy six, sell six every year. And as we do that, you know, you buy six, you keep them for three or four years. And then, you know, three or four years later, you sell six. And if you do that every year, you have kind of this flow of buying and selling every year. Doing about six a year is really not very time consuming at all, especially if you built kind of a, a team and, and we have assistants that will help us with the, the rehab and, and getting people in the properties and, and all of that. And so doing it that way would produce, you know, a good $300,000 extra every year. And so that's kind of our plan. I, I'm still a therapist. I still meet with 
clients every week and then just kind of do this on the side. And, and I've moved into lifestyle investing in Costa Rica in my cabins. And so that's kind of where I'm at right now. Yeah, I wanted to to touch on that, and and I told you before the call, uh, me and the wife are are one hundred percent interested in anything Costa Rica. If it's an excuse to go down there and visit the property and and have time at the in a tropical environment, the beach, it's it's a win win win. <laughs> so it uh, it makes sense on all levels, and uh, including your retreat, that's uh, you get educated, uh, have a, a incredible place to visit and check out the properties. It sounds uh, sounds incredible. On your, uh, you currently manage around 180 units. Um, what are your strategies for managing the uh, the 180 units while you're doing your chiropractor uh, business as well as the Costa Rica? Is it uh, do you have property management in front of you? Is it um, is it pretty stabilized? So and and just to correct you. So as a as a therapist, so I'm a child and family therapist. Sorry, yep. As not a, a chiropractor, <laughs> not a chiropractor, but I have uncles that are chiropractors, so it's really yeah. close. Um, so uh, with how I manage my properties is I have really, really good assistance. That's how I manage my properties. So we don't have a property management company here in Arizona because a lot of our properties are lease option properties. So we have our six small mobile home parks with 100 units in, in those parks. And then we have um, the commercial building that I have my therapy practice out of. And then we have about 50 single family homes that we sell on lease options. The homes are actually very low maintenance to manage because you bring in a tenant buyer, that tenant buyer takes care of the property. And we have in our, our lease agreement that if they take care of the property, then we give them a, a you know $100 discount on rent. But if they ask us to come and take care of something, then we actually will take away that discount. And so I, you know, we have the normal rents, let's say the normal rent is about a thousand dollars. Then what we'll do with the lease option properties, we'll charge 1200. We give them a hundred dollar discount. So we're still making a hundred dollars more than the average rental. But with that discount, um, it really motivates them to pay on time and to take care of the property. And I've had tenants in, in properties for years that had never called me. They just take care of everything. And so I wouldn't need a property management company to actually do much with those properties at all. So that's why I just have assistants that manage, you know, different subcontractors and and will send people out to different, you know, properties in order to to help them like with our our mobile home parks. But other than that, I that's what we have. We have myself, a partner that I share the mobile home parks with, and then I have a couple of assistants that just help me with everything that we need done. And that's so it's a small small um uh, business, but it it works out really well, and we've been able to to build you know a multi million dollar company within six years. So it's worked out really really well to to do that. And, and it sounds like you've got it running really well. That's um, that's why you need less people and uh, just set expectations up front with your with your tenants. And it sounds like they take care of of their part. Um, what are some lessons learned that you've uh, that you've encountered while you're building up your portfolio? Now, I'm glad that you just asked that because I wanted to say. It's not always been roses. Yeah. So um, I think one of the biggest things is when you get a system where you can buy properties pretty easily because you get the uh, the money set up with hard money loans and other private money lenders. And so you have access to the money. And when you get the um, you get uh, connected with a lot of wholesalers and and you get kind of deal flow coming to you. When you have money and deal flow, it's very easy to buy properties, okay? But the problem is, or, or the concern or the caution is, you need to make sure that you don't overbuy. Yeah. 
Because if you overbuy, if you buy too quickly, then it can be a problem. To give you an example, many years ago, I, we planted a, a peach tree in, in our backyard. And it was a small little peach tree. It was just a new peach tree. And it was growing. And then it started to bud. And it was really cool. And then it started, those little buds started to turn into peaches. And I was so excited. And it started to like produce a ton of peaches. And it was so cool to go out there every day and kind of see the peaches grow. But then I started to notice that these little branches started to hang over and hang over and hang lower and lower as these peaches got bigger and bigger. And at one point, I recognized that if I keep all of the peaches on these little branches, they're going to break the branch. And so I had to be strategic and either, you know, um, uh, what do you call it? Propping up the branches, or I had to start taking off some of these peaches so it didn't break the branch and then I would lose all the peaches. Same thing goes in real estate investing. You got to be careful that as you're building and scaling a business, that you do it according to what you can handle. We, we like this last year, in 2020, we bought a, a hundred units in mostly mobile home parks and, and multifamily, but a lot of uh, single family homes. And then this last year, 2022, we bought an additional like 60 properties. And we were buying because we could, we had everything set up to buy, but when we were buying because they were a good deal, we put them in our queue to get fixed up. But we didn't have a robust crew that could go and fix up so many properties at the same time. So they were getting to properties one after another, but we got to a point where our vacancy was like 30% of our portfolio. And I didn't realize um, that we were starting to lose money. And we were losing money because we had such a high vacancy. And we were getting ready to sell some of them. And so we, re we were rehabbing them, but they were vacant during that time. And man, it's when I finally realized that we were cash flow negative about $60,000 a month. Wow. And that, you know, doesn't go well for a long time. And so as soon as we saw that, we shifted our business model. We, we slowed our buying way, way down. And we just started focusing on getting these properties rehabbed so that we could get them sold. And, um, and it, it worked. I mean, now we've, we've shifted back to where we're not negatively cash flowing like we were before. And, and we're um, getting, uh, I think we're better than breaking even now as we've sold off several of them. And now our businesses are, are cash flow positive, which is what you want, obviously. But, um, but that's one, one caution that I would have is build according to what you can sustain. And yes, build the teams, build, I need the, um, the uh, money sources and I need the um, deal sources. And when I have those, then my next, my next uh, goal, my next, um, uh, yeah, goal is I need to be able to build according to what I can sustain. And I would say the, the two people, if you're going to build a, a large portfolio, the two first hires you make, one is going to be um, an awesome assistant. You need to find somebody who's a go-getter. And we were lucky enough to find an amazing assistant and she's just awesome. And our portfolio has grown so much, I would say, largely due to her. We actually brought her in as, as part owner after a while when she was doing such a great job. And, and now as we've kind of split the company, we're, we're paying her out uh, a really good bonus um, because she's, again, helped us build so much. And so it's just been great to have her. Your second hire you want to do is going to be a bookkeeper because you're going to have so many um, so much money coming in and out for so many different projects that if you don't have a good bookkeeper, somebody that's able to watch all of that, 
it, during tax time, it's going to be awful. And you're not going to know how profitable you are. So you have to have a good assistant and a book, a good bookkeeper. Those are your first two hires. And then with them, then you can start really scaling. So that's what I would say. Those are things to watch out for. Those are the growing pains that I went through. Yeah. And uh, it's supply and demand. If you've got an influx of supply, your demand is your people, your people power, how much can you handle in your operations? And um, if you know you're going, you're going to be buying, say, a 100-unit apartment complex, just pre-hire, get them into the, the staff, get training, and, uh, and, and start getting them accustomed to your values and your mission. And that way, when you 90 days from now, when you do take 100 units on, you've already got your staff in place, and they're ready to, to answer the phone and, uh, and take over the property. Um, but you, you've got to have your fundamental foundational people set in place, your pillars, and, um, and you can grow rapidly just off that. But I like what you said, don't ever extend yourself. Know what you can handle now, but create new problems. New problems equal uh, good opportunities if you're creating the right problems. Um, but make sure that there's a balance there. Balance is key. Um, that's, um, that's perfect. So um, love your operation. The, uh, the retreat in uh, Costa Rica sounds amazing. Um, when, what are the dates on the, uh, the retreat? So our next investor retreat is going to be in September. I believe it's September 17th through the 23rd. And people can learn more about the retreat if they go to reiretreats.com. So that's realestateinvestingretreats.com, reiretreats.com. And they can kind of see where, where they're going to be staying. They can see the properties. They can see the things that they're going to be learning and the excursions. And so I've done a lot of retreats and I've done a lot of um, like conferences. And so with that being said, I wanted to create something that was better than the things that I've experienced. Okay. I've been to retreats where people just do a lot of talking and I thought, you know what? Yes, that's great. But I want to give people opportunities to really connect and you connect through doing things together. Right. So my retreats are going to be, you know, we start at 10 o'clock in the morning where we'll have a two hour block of education. Then we'll have a two hour block of excursion. Then we'll have a two hour block of ex education and excursion and education. So we'll do six hours of education a day and four hours of excursion a day. And then you get to go and enjoy the properties in the evening and in the morning. And so that, that setup um, helps people be able to both enjoy and learn. And, and that's a great combination because when you go to like an all day retreat, it's just too much. But when you break down those things and then you can go and you can talk with somebody about what you learned during that, those two hours, it, it really makes the learning a much better process. And then you go and have fun, have a great break. And then you come back and you're refreshed and, and then you go have a break and you come back and you're, you're refreshed. It's just a, a great um, schedule to do. And what's also awesome is we have these, these vans that we purchased with each of our properties and they're large vans they're 12 passenger vans. Part of the learning is going to take place at the property. Part of the learning is going to take place in the vans as we move from one property to another property. And so we have a lot of different ways of, of doing teaching, but we're going to be uh, doing it in a way to where we can maximize our, our time. So um, anyway, it's, it's going to be a life-changing event for people that really want to go and, and learn um, because you're going to learn how to do um, investing but you're also going to have a blast doing it. And it's really, you know, compared to a lot of retreats, it's super affordable compared to a lot of other things that, that people are doing. 
Yeah, no, I, I preach, uh, get into the room, the room of the, the people that you want to be around is um, ultimately what you create your future of. So if you have like-minded people around you and doing the same thing, you can create success in, the, in just that. Um, how can people get a hold of you if they want to learn more about uh, your opportunities? So if they want to learn more about me and what I'm doing, um, they can go to meetshiloh.com. That's M-E-E-T-S-H-I-L-O-H.com. And they, um, I mean, that's my digital business card on there. I have my YouTube channel where I have a lot of content on my YouTube channel. I have um, videos on my Costa Rican properties. Um, what else uh, do I have? I have um, uh, my Instagram, my LinkedIn, um, just a, a lot of information. If you want to get to know me, it's a great place to, to get to know me. Awesome. Awesome. Shiloh, truly appreciate you coming on today. Um, look forward to, to seeing your journey and uh, hopefully being a part of it. So appreciate your time. We will certainly talk soon. Awesome. Thanks so much, Josh. I really appreciate you letting me be on your podcast. Yes, sir. Thanks again. We'll